when George Floyd was killed, there was a, a visceral reaction I had to it, and I was so overwhelmed with sadness. This is the voice of our friend Chad. We sat down with him in July to discuss movies, and it turned into something way more than that. Yes, you are listening to the Two Gomers podcast, but this is a moment where we want to stop and listen and learn from one of our best friends in the world. Side note, this was originally recorded for our Patreon feed, but when we asked Chad if we could put it on our regular feed instead, he said, and I quote, put it out there. We need these things now more than ever. Here's Chad. Because, you know, it was the first time where I, I couldn't watch the whole video. I watched probably four minutes and when I could tell he was passing out. And then I saw the end when he was slumped over. Yeah. And um, I kind of, my reaction was more like, you know what we should all just do in this country? We should all just admit, just hmm. on the whole, that like we really don't care about the the lives of black men as much as just about any other ones like can mm. we just admit that mm. if we did that and just every on a loudspeaker just said yes this is true we don't care about you as much as other people then the next question after that is what can we do to change that uh-huh. mm. you can't get to that second step without owning it wow mm-hmm. okay it's impossible You're listening to a special edition of Two Gomers Run For Their Lives with guest Chad Kemp. This is a different episode than we've ever done before, but this is a time like we've never experienced before. It's time to take note, listen, see, celebrate, sit with, stand with, and engage with people that may look different than you or me. Even if you've been best friends since the third grade, this is our moment to take those friendships to a deeper place, leverage the trust that you've built with each other, and have the uncomfortable conversations. This is Two Gomers Breaking Through the Stall Phase. Welcome, patrons, uh, patrons, <laughs> patrons. Off to a great start. Shoot, that's a great stop. <laughs> Off to a great stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. Um, okay, this this is Anthony, obviously coming to you from Oregon, Wisconsin, not Oregon, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. as in as in Oregon, the state, um, but Oregon, the city. Or town, city, city in uh, Wisconsin. Village? Just, village? My dad. I don't Is know. it a village? Is it's it a. Yeah. It's all three. It's a town, a city, and a village. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have got our guest back again. Um, he is he is uh, my best friend since the third grade. And maybe he can remind us again how the heck. Oh, that's all good. How the heck all how the heck we met. Um, but Chad is here. Steven's obviously here. You've already heard him. Um, but Chad, how's it going, dude? Good. How's the Gomer Nation doing? I hope they're doing well. 
Now, um, you, this is the this is the second basement you've recorded from since right. since you went back to. I mean, right? Am I remember? I'm remembering right. Your dad's yeah. um, recording studio is in the basement. I think that we had a sleep over there, you and me, Anthony. Yep. After we went to see Harry Potter eight. Nice. <laughs> right. Three D, much to my chagrin. Yep. <laughs> no three D movie, Stephen. <laughs> I'm not no, a fan. It was, it was, the transfer wasn't great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, see, Steven's not a fan of 3D. I'm like every possible D with the exception of um, the, the frame rate from The Hobbit. Like, <laughs> when it was like so real, it was like behind the scenes footage. Right. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I ask, does Alex still, like, you, you probably remember this in high school, does he still go to the garbage can and look for the extra large popcorn at the top and then snag it and then go back and get the free refill that would be so amazing if he did remember because they used to put a mark under the bottom of the bucket to show that sure oh right right yeah between that and anthony's like italian subs and crab salad from dell'italia in the movie theater like i'm sure we were the worst people to sit by during movies so many so much onion smell like and a dirty popcorn bucket Gross. and crab salad yes a like, little tiny smooth thing of spicy crab salad and you're opening it up all right and what? everyone's like what is that smell <laughs> so good what middle schoolers yeah Brought, brought crab salad to Star Trek Generations opening night. Like we had refined taste in 1993. Yeah. Did um, did did we all see Star Trek Generations together? I can't remember. You know, I actually think that was sophomore year. Um, that was 94. That movie came out. Unbelievable. Okay. okay yeah. So that's one of the things we're gonna find out. The more we talk to Chad. It's his memory's insane. 94. <laughs> like, I mean, if if I had the Gomer one sheet in front of me. I could have said that because I would have looked it up. I think we did right. see it together. I, yeah. Actually, oh, for uh, sure. your dad, Mr. Yep. G, is sitting in the room. I think yep. we went. The two movies I remember seeing with him. Uh, no. <laughs> I remember seeing Jurassic Park. Yep. Which, oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, Mr. G took us to see Jurassic Park right after we got back from uh, D.C. Yeah. Yep. That was like. We, we've told this story yep. ad nauseum. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the Gomer Nation knows all about that. And then Liar, Liar. <laughs> Which yeah. was incredible, the best, and, and we were all there somehow. Right. All, all uh, uh, fifty of our yes. friends were there yes. together for some reason. When I know I was liar, there because liar. like he was funnier than the movie almost. And then, um, and then generations. That was a big deal. Like a lot of us. I just remember having yeah. seats that were a little too close to the screen. Mm-hmm. And on the right, my neck. on the we're left on the right. side. I feel like we were on the right, but I just remember being okay. a little too close. Yeah, so maybe we weren't there together. I remember these two women, middle-aged women, Karens before Karens were oh, gosh, Karens. having a like a fight where they were almost it almost became physical In about who was better, Captain oh. Picard or Captain Kirk. So Star Trek Karens, <laughs> you know exist. the type. <laughs> well, I have in my journal, my uh, sophomore year journal. That had mm-hmm. Star Trek Generations on the cover. Because mm. um, remember, we were supposed to bring a journal to the European <laughs> oh, yeah. tour. Yeah, I still have mine, and yep. it's got like one picture in it <laughs> yeah. that I drew. probably smells like throw up. <laughs> no, that would be Anthony's suitcase that smells like throw up. I barfed in because his you suitcase. threw up into it. Right. Barfed right. Into it. 
But Gomer Nation Pierre needs Cartin. to know that I only threw up in Anthony's suitcase because I took a bite of Steven's ice cream cone and oh, he was sick right. from his brother Alex. So he, right. it just got passed around. Yeah, I also remember uh, that you that we went to see the Met Opera um, and that was one of the more expensive naps. Not the Met Opera, sorry, the Vienna um, Vienna Vienna State State Opera. Opera. That's what it was. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. I dreamt that there was a floating jar of mayo. Yeah. And I just, in real life, reached up to grab it. And everyone was looking at me like, well, I was crazy, but. Oh, yeah. right. Well, um, so delicious. We, we haven't invited Chad here to talk about that, even though I'm not surprised that we just uh, rattled off 20 memories right. together. Right. Um, actually, what the the reason why uh, we want to have this conversation, Chad, it, I mean, it's let, let me see if I can back out of where we decided to have this conversation. So um, this this episode will come out in August. And so we've actually started this new um, commitment on Perfect Movie. Yep. Which is to uh, every other movie is a filmmaker of color that's director or head writer. Um, Anthony and I were working out some wording about putting that announcement out. And I was about to put it out. Mm-hmm. And Anthony goes, wait, 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 wait. Can, can you just run that by Chad? And I think it was a law concern, maybe like let's get let's make sure the wording is right. Let's let let's get somebody who knows about like official announcements or something. Right. Um, Press releases. So I passed it. Yeah. So immediately <clears throat> I, I texted it to you, Chad. You had some great advice on some wording to change. But then during that conversation you and I were having, um, you said, "Well, you know, I took this class in right. college." What was the class? Remind me what it's called. So it was a it was a class at uh, UW Madison. So I did a double major in political science and Afro American studies, and there was a right. course that I took that um, actually a lot. You know, I'm a huge political geek and nerd, but <laughs> the more fulfilling classes were the Afro American studies courses, and one was a film class that moved through the entire 20th century, mm-hmm. um, and we did a movie for each decade. And so we would watch a movie in uh-huh. humanities building, <clears throat> not too far from where Anthony was playing bassoon. Yeah. And then, yeah. and, um, I, and I took a trumpet lessons in high school. Right. Oh yeah. Let's and, not forget that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <okay. laughs> and then, um, we would have to write a paper about the movie. And so, okay. it, you know, the thing that sucks is, um, I actually had a hard drive that had all of my undergraduate papers, all of that work. Mm. Um, yeah. but that, it was a hard state yeah. hard drive, so it crashed. But yeah. I was able to cobble together some of the movies from that class, and I sent it to Stephen in a text. And I just kind of said, you know, you guys should think about reviewing some of these movies. I think you and I were talking about a list of movies that um, you already had and some that mm-hmm. maybe you hadn't thought of. And I was just, like, sending them back to you, really. So that's right. kind of how yeah, it started. Yeah, we had – at that point, I think – Anthony and I had assembled a list of about 30 mm-hmm. movies. Um, and th- then, I mean, I love a list. Right. You guys know. I love a, I love a spreadsheet. <laughs> right. And so, Chad, when you said you had this list, right. oh, boy, my ears perked up. 
And I, and I think I said to you, okay, wait, 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 save it for the podcast. That's right. what I'm used to saying. Don't spoil it. Don't <laughs> right. tell me about it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, because I was like, that, that would be, that would be perfect, a perfect conversation for us to have. Like, um, I honestly wonder how many movies on that list I've even heard of. Most of mm-hmm. them you probably hadn't. Truthfully, right. right? I mean, yeah. we, and that's why I proposed it because I knew those movies were so deep in the in the genre that mm-hmm. that's the whole point of the class is to, you know, take, I'll just be honest, to take white kids from Wisconsin or Elgin, Illinois, or, yeah. you know, Los Angeles or New York that are going to UW and show them this film. I, mm-hmm. I did a class similar with uh, music with Craig Warner, who's um, written about, I mean, he's almost the expert on Motown and black music um, uh-huh. going from like the late 50s all the way through the 80s. And um, so it was a fulfilling class. But I, I proposed those movies because I knew you guys certainly hadn't seen them. And I knew it was likely that the Gomer Nation hadn't either. Well, most right. people in general. Right? right. Real. I mean, I'm just curious. Was most of the class white students? Yes. Yeah. Well, most I mean. You know, my experience is that's always been the case. Um, mm-hmm. The first time, the first time there was more African American uh, students in classes with me was in college. Like once right. I decided I was going to add that Afro American studies component to my education, that was the first time. When you're doing an international relations course or uh, mm-hmm. a, a class on mutually assured destruction and nuclear policy and political science, you're not you're not going to see a lot of black people in those i was i can Mm. tell you i was almost always the only one Mm. um the afro-american studies courses that i took whether it was on black political thought or theory or history um or um you know like the film courses or the music courses um that was an amalgamation of people you had a lot of white students and that was just because that was the massive uh, makeup of the population on that campus but then right. you did have a lot of black students. If you were a student of color, you would run into each other in these courses, you know, either in humanities or in Helen C. White. Those are typically where those classes were. What's Helen C. White? Helen C. White is uh, it's a, it's, big, it's, it's big a giant library. library right by the Memorial Union. The okay. If you go on almost any Internet website, right, Wisconsin has the reputation as being one of the best party schools and also the best college football. Uh, sports towns but helen c white is the library where people go they get dressed up to go study yeah but they're really going to try and like hook up with people (laughs) and the afro-american studies department was on the seventh floor (laughs) so i wasn't in i wasn't in the library i was up on the seventh floor in that library (laughs) being being a nerd (laughs) right so that I, I I do know that Aaron spent a lot of time in that library, and I spent a lot of time hanging out in that library. Um, sure. One, I think one part I actually wrote like "I love you" like in marker, like <laughs> on one of the tables. No, like I was like under my shirt. And then you lifted your skin, but I think I like felt it wrong or something because I was writing upside down. <laughs> That's a romantic gesture. That is all She's like, good. I love you. What? <laughs> like, 
Will well, you Murray me? Will you, what are you, trying to ask? Oh, you, you had the right idea. I mean, that's the kind of things that would happen in that library. It's right. just, you know, yours is a little more innocent, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was where I was taking breaks from, t- from uh, practicing bassoon. It's like, what's Aaron up to? And you just go over there. Right. This is part two, where Chad answers the question. Basically, what was it like growing up in hometown USA? Good old boys surrounding you. Right. Um, as a uh, one of the only black students in a pretty large high school. But first, thoughts on running for mayor and being on the Verona City Council. Yeah, well, yeah right. we, and, it, and it, it should be said that, I mean, Chad is literally almost the mayor. Like he, you know, we believe he should have been the mayor of Verona. But like, ran you know, for mayor. Ran yeah. for mayor, totally. Yeah, like I mean, if people don't know, he ran for mayor. He are you're the president of the city yeah, council. Yeah, so I, I I lost that election by almost 200 votes mm. my first time out, mm. and then I um, ran for city council and helped manage a bunch of campaigns. Um, yeah, and we kind of changed the uh, the makeup. So the the council's good. I mean, the people that were there before us were great people, but it looks more like what the city of Verona looks like now, right? There's women, right. there's okay. people of color, yeah. there's a, a Latino mayor, there's an African-American city council president, that's me. So not to, yeah. I don't, this obviously isn't about that, but I think w- given the things that are going on in the country, it's it's good to see those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Because um, we're used well, to seeing. Well, and, and I mean, it's, it's, as a person who has moved away from Verona. Right. It's actually pretty shocking. Yeah. It's hmm. different. And I, I, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I was going. Like, even in the yearbook, you're like, Verona, right? hometown USA. Right. I mean, your dad's in the room, Anthony. I wonder if he remembers any breakdowns of, of race in our high school. But it, it was, um, I, I guess my question for you, Chad, is, and we haven't really talked about this much. No, not, we've never, we never have. So I, we kind of need to go a little further back. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm... I, I'm my my question is and then you can you can okay, right, jump in, it. Anthony. Yeah, my yeah, question yeah. is basically, what was it like growing up in hometown USA? Good old boys surrounding you, right? <laughs> um, as a uh, one of the only black students in a pretty large high school, suburban high so school. So that's my yeah. main that's my main question for this part. Until we get into the. We can go into the movie sure. list pretty soon, right. but it's just it's sparking my curiosity. Sure. And so, yeah. Anthony, I don't know if you had anything to add there. Go ahead before I say something. Like, yeah, I just want I want you to feel comfortable in the in the Gomer in the in the Gomer Studios and right. and not feel like we're putting you on the spot here or anything. No, like no, no. That. And I I don't. I mean, you guys are my brother, so yeah. I I don't feel like that. I feel almost like I have to protect you. So, just mm. as a caveat for anyone listening, you have to understand anything that I say is my own opinion and like and i'm entitled to that that's fine there's nothing wrong with that i yeah i respect um anthony and steven almost more than anyone else on the planet and just by um you guys listening to them i respect you too so the one mm-hmm. thing i would ask you know the the people that are listening to this is just to try and understand the different points of view that we all have mm-hmm. that's really yeah. if we all took the time to step back and do that the world would be um in a much better place mm-hmm. yeah. but uh to start answering the question, so I came to my parents grew up in the inner city of Milwaukee, um, mm-hmm. 
my dad was the first person in his family to go to college. And similarly, my mom was the first person to go to college. My grandparents came from, I'm a serious mutt. I mean, if you look at a picture of me, I'm a black guy, but my parents did one of those 23andMe things. And oh, yeah. um, I've got Jamaican blood. My grandfather mm-hmm. on my mom's side was from Jamaica. He's like right. half Portuguese. My dad hmm. found out he is German, like Stephen. Really? Um, yep. My mom is eight <laughs> percent French. She's really? she's like wow. four percent Eastern European Jewish. Wow. Um, there's there's a whole, and then of course you know Africa is in there and all that. So yeah. there's a, and then my dad is also Norwegian. So there's huh. a whole lot of um, you know blood flowing through my veins. So interesting. Um, sure. I'm probably like a real genuine American product. Hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, my experience, so my parents, my dad went to medical school at Madison and then practiced medicine. He's an anesthesiologist. And so they lived on the near west side of Madison, pretty close to West Town Mall. And they decided they wanted to move to Verona because they had good schools. And I asked my mom once, I was just like, why did you move to Verona in 1982? Well, Fitchburg. And she just said it was because it was good schools. But at that time, there probably were, I mean, less than 2% district-wide students of color. I would, I would guess that. Hmm. Yeah. And in, and in the class of 97, I went back and looked. Um, I don't have my yearbook. I lost my yearbook. Oh, but well, it's I, in your I, head oh, already. It's but in your I, head. But I have the, the pamphlet from when we graduated. <laughs> I was the only black male of color from our grade. Steven, you had like four. Yeah. We had one. That was me. And then yeah. the grades coming after us, there was more. Wow. Okay. Um, there was always a black guy that would like move in, but then hmm. like move out. Right. Huh. Okay. So my experience was from kindergarten in 1984. Um, yeah. It was just, I was always there. I didn't mm-hmm. think of it any differently. Right. I went to preschool. Then I go to kindergarten and then you go to first grade. Um, so I never had like a um, disjointed experience where I was in a school with students primarily of color and then my parents moved from like the south side of Madison or from Chicago or, you know, from moved from up south. And then all of a yeah. sudden I find myself um, in Verona, Wisconsin, looking like what's going on. So yeah. so my experience is, ex- is very unique, right? Uh-huh. Um, my brother and I have friends that went to Verona that, you know, grew up on the south side of Madison, started at Madison West, and then for whatever reason ended up at Verona. This yeah. is a guy, Jamal, who's a really close yeah, friend yeah. of mine. His experience was completely different than mine. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I also had um, all the way through, um, honestly, just like a really good set of friends your experience my experience could have been different had i chosen different friends right mm-hmm. yeah but you know um i made fast friends with anthony when we were really little I, yeah i think it's always third grade but we probably knew of each other before that sure and then <laughs> what who was your your teacher in third grade actually i <laughs> they're tearing down that school sugar creek it used to be the only elementary school booger booger creek yeah yeah <laughs> Um, my teacher was <laughs> Mrs. Feltake, and yours oh, was yeah. Mrs. Bra- oh no, Mrs. Volenweider. Yep, yep. Because uh, all these oh. old teachers came back. And Julie Volenweider's no mom. Yes, that was Anthony's no teacher. No way. And so, oh wow, I never knew that. <laughs> so, so, but um, 
the cool thing was, was this was like in February before COVID, all of these people were walking through the old elementary school. All the old teachers were back. And, huh. um, oh, cause they were going to tear it down. They're tearing the building down. Right. I see. Um, and so I saw my third grade teacher and she's 90. Mm. They're wheeling wow. her around in a wheelchair. And I t- took a bunch of selfies with her. I, Mrs. Wollenweider was there. I told her wow. like, what Anthony was up to. She was like, gosh, we did a really good job with these two. Um, and I was like, yeah, you would have never imagined like me and Anthony. <laughs> a lawyer and literally one of the best bassoon players on the planet. The principal bassoonist in the planet. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but um, yeah, I would say my experience is unique compared to probably other students of color because I started in the system and went all the way through it. My hmm. parents never moved. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. We had, you know, we had the same set of friends. I kind of moved in between groups of friends growing up. I played sports, but then by the time I got to high school, um, I, I really wanted to be involved with, with music and I, I loved yeah. it. Um, and that's where, you know, like Steven and I go back to middle school, but I didn't really start playing until high school. I played piano mm, always, yeah, but that's right. So I never had a lot of the issues I think that some kids do. That doesn't mean that there weren't things that didn't happen. I mean, there was, yeah. you know, like um, when I used to have hair, there was one kid. Um, kids would want to, like, feel your hair. And I never was, like, offended by it. I always yeah. just thought yeah. it was weird. It's like, dude, so what? It's it's like my hair. Huh. Yeah. Who gives a rip? Um, the same thing happened on um, on a trip to D.C. in fifth grade. I guess I was the most responsible safety patroller, so they sent you me. You were to, the safe. That's right. <laughs> so they yeah. they sent me to Washington D.C. and <laughs> I was. My parents literally drove to Kenosha, mm. put me on a bus with kids from all over the state, and yeah. said bye. Right. And yeah. Then, okay. And then we drove. We drove out to D.C. and there was. I was like one of the younger kids. It was fifth through eighth grade, and there was. I made again some pretty cool friends, but a lot of them they called me Little Bo because they thought I looked like Bo Jackson. And they would pick me huh. up. I was probably like fifty pounds. Pick me up <laughs> yeah, and try and stick me, <laughs> stick me to the ceiling of the bus because of my hair. Oh, right, wow, and man. it's one of these coach buses. Like, huh. oh, let's see yeah, if we can sure. stick it. But I would just laugh, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but that's like I never had anything abjectly um, racist happen. Um, like the the issues that I've had or that I still have now have more to do with. Um, like social anxiety, little mm. things. So like, for example, um, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this. You might have, but if I, like I can walk up to a cash register, have a cart full of groceries, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. know that I have X amount of dollars. I could buy everything in my cart like 70 times. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I swear, I'll put my card in, and in my head, I'm like, please go to approve. Please mm. go to approve. Because if it doesn't, or if it buzzes, then people are going to look at me, mm-hmm. right? Or And that's happened where I've swiped my card, and it doesn't work because of the magnetic strip. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, or the other, um, the other one is, uh, there's a bunch, but sure. walking out of a store. Uh-huh. So, like, walking out of a store with a security system, right, on both sides, right. every yep. time I walk out of a Best Buy, I could have paid, mm-hmm. and I always, first, before I even leave the counter, I'm, like, watching to make sure the person, like, swipes 
the product. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. then even though I've seen I've seen them do that, yeah. when I'm walking through, I'm like, please don't buzz, please don't buzz, please don't buzz, mm. please don't buzz. Huh. Right. Even though I know I've paid for it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, and that comes from a couple of, of experiences that I had when I was younger shopping in the West Town Mall with my mom and Jay, where we walked out of a store um, and we didn't hear it, but apparently the buzzer went off in the back of the store, right? You know how mm, like in malls yeah. you have the display in the front, right. usually right. the registers are all the way in the back, right? Mm-hmm. So this was probably eighth grade because my parents never let Jason and I go to the mall, just us by ourselves. I, I would go to with Anthony, yep, right? Yep. My, they didn't have a problem with that because there was a white kid with me. Okay. Right? Mm. Like, that was totally fine because you and I would go after school or maybe sometimes during school when we should have been at <laughs> school um, to buy Christmas presents for our girlfriends yes. in high school. That right. was never Ooh, a problem. Baby. Right? Yeah. They know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're not patrons. <laughs> They're not listening. They're not Are any of them patrons? I know, so. No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, we can all, you know... What we, hey what guys, we get, what's up? We got we got like matching sweaters or something like that. Remember we got mm. those Eddie Bauer cable knit sweaters. sweaters. Yeah, there's pictures. <laughs> if the patrons want to want to see that, um, yeah, that's true. That's what they're paying the big bucks for. You <laughs> right. guys in Eddie Bauer oh, sweaters okay. with oh, like a gold it. cross chain. I <laughs> yeah. think. Yeah. Right. Um, no, but uh, so they would let you know, like most kids, that was what you did. You went to the mall to hang out. Um, yeah. We kind of hung out in people's basements and stuff like that, but my parents would never let us do that, you know, huh. because their experiences were, there was once my mom, she got on an elevator and um, she was standing on in the elevator first. This other lady gets in and they both have purses. So the late, mm-hmm. this, you know, this is a white woman. She takes her purse and switches it to the other side and like keeps her eye on my mom. So mm-hmm. my mom being who she is, does the exact same thing right back at her. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. I can see <laughs> yeah, your mom's like, hard totally, We love you, Debbie. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but no, like I, there was an experience we had where a, a buzzer went off apparently in the back of a store. We didn't hear anything. This is me, Jason and mom. Yeah. yeah. And we walk all the way back down kind of towards JC Penny. And there was a store that my mom went in and Jason and I didn't want to go in there. So we waited outside in the middle of the mall, kind of in front of the food court. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, two people from the store come to Jay and I and they're like, hey, we want to mm-hmm. look in your bags. Mm-hmm. And Jay and I are like, what? Why? Why do you want to look in our bags? An alarm went off when we when we you, when you guys left. And we're mm-hmm. like, I just said, hang on a minute. Let me go get my mom. Like, I didn't let him do anything. I ran in there and got mom and she came out and the manager was this woman. And she said the exact same thing to my mom. And she was just confused. So she let her look through it. Mm-hmm. Then she realized what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my mom, as sweet as she is, she said some things, right? That, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so know, sweet. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, that happened a couple different times in that same mall, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys know my family. My parents did really well. They yeah. could have. You know, yeah. bought whatever they wanted in there. Totally. But, Look at about that mall. 
Right. Yeah. Um, right. Can, yeah. Can, can I can I tell you an interesting, uh, contrasting story? Sure. Sure. In the mall. Mm-hmm. Software, etc. Remember software, etc. Yes, dude. <laughs> yes. Like oh, right the, by the right by the food court, right? Right by the food court is the yes. first store actually up the up that hallway. Yep. Um, so I was in there. My brother and I were in there. Um, and I was looking for the new King's Quest game, King's King Quest Three, King's Quest Three on my PC, uh, Apple Two GS. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I but I didn't have money. Yeah. So I was. We were just browsing. But I had the game in my hand, mm-hmm. and I walked out of the store with it absentmindedly. Oh, and the alarm went off, right. of course, because I had it in my hand, or actually, it was under my arm. Mm. So, and yeah. the cashier just waved me through. No way! Wow. So I actually had stolen something. So, but he thought you mm. purchased it. Nope. Didn't even care. Get out. Just just let me walk through. Yeah, that's um, that's insane. Wow. Now I I, w- I was down about Sears when I realized I had this game under my arm. You were felt terrible. To, partner to Sears, dude. That's partner the to whole, Sears. You walked down the whole mall. Yes, I walked down the whole mall, and then Jeez. I came back and returned it and said I'm sorry, and that was fine. Hmm. Um, yeah. See, I would have gotten arrested. I, Dang. I I have. It's probably the first time I've thought about that story in 20 years. Um, hmm. That's strange. It, so you can. You it's can striking to me that you, you didn't do anything. Right. Um, a buzzer that had nothing to do with you or with the security system probably went off. Right. You were chased down. Um, you, you and your brother and your mom were questioned. Well, I mean, it's just this is a normal thing. There's been I can't tell you how many times I've been followed around a store. Mm-hmm. That happens. I mean, that still happens. So, as a 41, 41 year old man, the fact that this week, right, I was at Target and I bought two hundred some dollars worth of things, and I'm like praying that my card doesn't freak out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to feel like that? Mm-hmm. Right. Because in America, um. You know, my blackness is a mark, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think of myself as a, as a victim. It's just the way it's always been. Mm. And so really the question I think we have to ask ourselves is like, is how do we change that, mm. right? Yeah. Um, how do we change that perception? Because the reality genetically, there was a, uh, a class that I took – I think it was called Afro-American Studies, the New Deal to the New Right. It was with a brilliant professor, Tim Tyson, who's now at Duke University. There was a um, a PBS special. It was in three parts that we watched, and it was called Race, the Power of an Illusion. And mm-hmm. there was three different episodes, and the two, the two best were um, they took the genetic – or, you know, DNA from these high school kids from a multicultural high school in Manhattan and sent them off to have them studied and looked at the genetic makeup of all of these students. And these are like Mm -hmm. white kids, black kids, Korean kids, Latino children. I mean, kids from all over the Middle East in this one high school. And they found that there were more similarities between a lot of different groups, right, 
than there were between, say, you and Anthony. Like, it's entirely right. possible that my DNA is closer to Stephen than mm-hmm. it is to another person of color, another African-American. Mm. Right. And and so this whole idea, this whole idea of a racial construct is something that was created hmm. in the United States um, by people that wanted to secure their position. So they essentially use this idea of whiteness as a badge of honor for people that were on the lowest end of the socioeconomic totem pole, mm-hmm. right? Chiefly poor white sharecropping families in the South <clears throat> in an in an effort to make sure they understood that there's still someone better than them. So they could mm-hmm. look down on, mm-hmm. you know, my great-great-grandfather. I found out my great-great-grandfather, his name was Henderson Kemp. He was born in 1853. Mm-hmm. And he was okay. a, and he was a slave. That's think about that though. My great-great-grandfather was a slave. I thought it went back way further than that. Mm. Right. But he had a family of Kemp's when he was a young man in his 20s and then he had my great-grandfather Pete Kemp. Um his name was Peter Benton Kemp and Elliot, my Benton. son, yeah. his middle name yep. is Benton. It's yep. kind of a family name. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. in the 1880s. So he was like almost 40 years old and he had another whole set of kids. Wow. So this this idea was created, you know, this idea of this this whole white superiority idea was created because there was a huge um there's a, a, a it's just like right now where you have a vast percentage of people that really don't have much and mm-hmm. so few that have the majority of the assets that you see right so mm-hmm. this whole idea is like well at least i'm not like those people over there right yeah when the re, in reality th- what we see is there's more similar between people that are in urban school districts um yeah. that are struggling the similarities between those school districts and school districts in rural areas are almost exactly the same. They struggle with the exact same things. Yeah. But because of this social construct, this idea, it's like, I don't want to be like them because Mm -hmm. if they start passing me up, then what am I? Mm. Yeah. Right. So it's like, how do you undo that thinking? So that was, that was one of the episodes was just about this whole idea of a racial social construct. And it was trying to debunk it by saying genetically, we're all closer than anyone thinks. The second one um, really quickly was about the opportunity that the United States missed after world war two. My grandfather was in the Marine Corps. He fought in, Hmm. in the Pacific and he came back and the United States had had an opportunity to, it was the first time where people were getting federally backed mortgage loans where you could Mm -hmm. put down a low amount, just like we do now, right? Right. Relatively low amount, low interest rate, and you can get a home. So, Mm -hmm. and I did a paper on this at the end of law school, specifically in Milwaukee, where I looked at all of the mortgage loans that went out to people of color after World War II. Less than one quarter of 1% in the entire country right? Mm-hmm. Billions of dollars, less than one quarter of 1% went to people of color. Mm-hmm. And then what wow. the banks did and the mortgage lending companies did was they redlined mm-hmm. the neighborhoods where they thought this isn't a good place to put the money. So the banks probably shouldn't invest here. Right. right? Well, what did that do? That afforded 
multiple generations of people that got those loans to build equity to send the next generation in the 60s to college. Those kids went to college. They became doctors and lawyers. Then they're able to send their kids to school and on and on and on. Now, my dad like broke that cycle in our family. Yeah. Right. So he like when you think about it, go back. My family's been in this country before it was a country. Right, way, hmm. way, way further back than my family has been. Right, sure. correct, yeah. right. E- either so, sides, yeah. Right, so they've been, they've been here. I think the we, we, in my family, we don't know a name, obviously, but it's the old African. It was a female, came mm-hmm. to Virginia, before you know when it was a colony, um, but it took until 1968 for mm-hmm. Alan Kemp to go to college, like. Hmm. JFK's family came to the United States in the 1880s because of the potato famine. Famine, and by 1960, he's the president. His, you know, the grandson, yeah. great grandson, is the president of the United States. Yeah. Hmm. There's something, and you have to remember, Italians, Jews, um, Irish, at one point mm-hmm. were all looked down upon, but they were able right. to fully assimilate. Hmm. Right. So there is something there. So when people try and say to me, well. The Civil War happened. I didn't have anything to do with it. You know what? That's true. But there are things that are still ongoing that mm-hmm. we can't ignore that we have to deal with. Right. Now, this is this is coming from the son of a physician and a CEO, and I'm a, and a trial lawyer. But yeah. I feel like my responsibility is to make sure that people out there understand the history and that they take the time to empathize with other people and educate themselves on how we got where we are so they can think very clearly about where, you know, like how are we going to get where we want to be? Because I, you know, I think we feel like we want to be better than what we are right now. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. Right. I mean, if they haven't figured it out right now, I'm not a big fan of the guy sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And huh? I, would, um, I would imagine that any reasonable person, forget about the politics, any reasonable person would say, this is not the best version, you know, the best angels of our nature. Lincoln mm. said that right in his first sure. inaugural. Mm. Yeah. Um, definitely not. Part three, the talk that Chad has with his kids is just a little bit different than Steven's experience. For, for me, the talk is like a little boy or when mommy and daddy <laughs> love, when a mommy loves a daddy talk, right? It's it's not, um, right. it's not, here's where to put your hands on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But for, it, for it, us, it's if about, a cop like, is behind you. It's literally a, a survival yeah. talk. So in general, similar mm-hmm. to standing at now, people might listen to this and say, oh, my gosh, it's just so this is what I want to have people guard against. When you yeah. hear me, when you hear me speak and I did the there was a march for justice in Verona and mm-hmm. I, I closed it out and did a speech. Um, one thing I really wanted people to say is when someone says something to you and they're saying how they feel. Yeah. Don't dismiss it out of hand mm. because you haven't had that experience. Sure. Stop and take the time to think mm-hmm. about why they're saying it. And then don't make an assumption. It's just like, oh, they're trying to pull, you know, the race card. Like that's a big famous thing to say. It's like, eh, 
No, mm. like people have had these experiences. I'm a, yeah. I, I do pretty well, but I'm telling you, this is, this is how I feel when I go into these places, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, as, with respect to police officers, I have a huge respect for police officers. You know, mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. member of the council in Verona, I, um, I talk with these guys all the time. They have a really, really difficult job, and mm-hmm. I, I believe that, like almost any other vocation, <clears throat> there's good people. And then there's not good people mm. in those jobs. There are people that are professional musicians that probably shouldn't be playing at this point. They're 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 done, right? There are pr- plenty of lawyers that just don't have it anymore and are still they're, they're, yeah, right? <laughs> they're all above the law. They're perfect, right? But they're still collering a check. You know. Well, and I'll be the first to say that people in ministry, ministry. ministers, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. there are for sure. Uh, there are majority wonderful people, and there are many despicable people. Yeah, I yes, mean, despicable. You're I right, mean, and that's in every mm. vocation. And sure. and so, mm-hmm. like, I don't like this. Um, I don't like when either side says. Um, one sign I saw at the thing was like, "All cops are bastards." No, that's hmm. not true. Hmm. You know, like I don't like it when everyone just says. It's not true. This stuff doesn't happen. One meme I saw that made me want to puke mm-hmm. was um, if you if you want to stop complaining about getting um, getting um, it was something like if you want to if you want to not have to deal with the cops, stop doing things that are illegal. Right. Mm. Okay. That right there is an example. Whoever put that meme together mm. is a person who has no ability to understand or see past their own nose, right? Okay, hmm. yeah. They Because I can tell you this, my my experience is my life is in the rearview mirror. I hmm. If I see a cop car, I mm-hmm. am 12 and 10. I am making sure I'm going the speed limit. If I see it, the cop car turn around, mm-hmm. my heart races, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um and everyone and probably, probably not for a, the same reason that mine does because right, I don't want to like, pay two hundred dollars. Correct. Sir. Right. Yes. That or something that key. I know I'm doing wrong. <laughs> right. Somebody. So yeah. I mean, there was <laughs> on my 38th birthday, I was driving back from Miller's grocery store in Verona. <laughs> uh huh. Little name Classic. drop in there, right? Yeah. And um, I I got some like potato salad or something, and I I got in the car and I was like, oh man, I got to put on my seatbelt. But I can't remember. I was just moving out. And then right when I got up by our old elementary school, I was just starting to put my seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. And um, right on my left, there's a cop sitting there. And I'm like, oh, frick. And I click it on. And then I just see him pull a Yui. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. My heart starts racing. Now, he was totally cool. But I was scared to death, right? Um and I, it was a ten dollar ticket. He's like, "Dude, sorry, I know it's your birthday because I had to give him my uh. license." <laughs> um, yeah, but I I'm like freaked out. I told Anthony, Stephen, you you haven't heard this yet. Um, lately, I've been going on a, a lot of like um, like late night meditative walks hmm. okay. when there's nobody outside, and my house is backs up against this large. Um, software company called epic they do mm-hmm. med- dig- uh, medical le- electronic records collections so there's a huge path that runs 
basically the length of my whole neighborhood. And then you can walk onto their property. So I walked probably like four or five miles and then walked back. Okay. Yeah. So I'm walking on the path back and now it's like 12.06 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, just flashes, blue and red oh, flashes man. behind me. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Now I have my earbuds in. And it was um, an officer, and he's like, hey, buddy, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, nothing. I'm just going on my night walk. He's like, kind of a late time to do that, right? And I was like, yeah, it is. But, And so right away, I'm like, yeah, I introduced myself. Like, yeah, uh-huh. I'm Chad Kemp. I live right over here. I f- and it was funny. He was an officer that when he joined the force, I was um, in the room sitting on the dais as a member of the council. So I was like, hey, I remember you, Officer huh. Ramirez. I was there when you got sworn in. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, how you doing? So it was totally cool. Yeah. But he was, but what he was, there was two bikes that were like e-bikes from Epic that were sitting Mm -hmm. right on the side of the road. And the road is separated by probably like 10 or 15 feet of green space. And then the path is right there. That's where I was walking. So it was blackout. I couldn't see that. And then I said, well, do you want me to help you move them? Because he heard there were teenagers like joyriding on these things. Then another cop car pulls up, and I introduce myself to that guy. And it was totally cool. But I was freaked out yeah. because what yeah. – think about it. Think about where I live, right. and you got me, yep. black dude, walking. Why are you – you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a very long way of saying that's that's my experience. I don't know what it's like not – to feel like that so you haven't been mistreated by police no right my younger brother has jason okay so Hmm. that's what i was going to ask like what where does your mind go at 1206 Hmm. when you see the flashers when you're when you're just driving home and you realize you don't have your seatbelt on where where is your mind going because because like i said for me it's like i don't want a ticket mm -mm, yeah i'm not thinking or it's like (laughs) i i don't i mean i wouldn't be worried at all, I don't think. I'm worried for my life. Hmm. Okay, like truthfully, yeah. um, hmm. I am. Look, my dad, his parents had a house in Brown Deer right before my grandmother died, and he was he had just started medical school. He was back down in Milwaukee visiting my mom. He got pulled over, um, and Brown Deer, you know, back then, and it's even now, it's like a nicer neighborhood. Most. African-Americans, for people that don't live on the north side, Brown Deer, I believe, if I can remember correctly, is like a little further north, mm-hmm. um, which is getting out towards some of the suburbs. And he got pulled out of the car at gunpoint. Hmm. Um, what are you doing in this neighborhood? You don't belong here. So, you know, those are the stories I heard. And then yeah. having cousins that grew up in the inner city and you hear like what goes on with in their in interactions with a lot of police officers, it's not a good thing. My younger brother is a college, a division one college basketball coach. He was in Missouri um, driving around um, and he told me what happened. He got accosted by a couple officers that were actually fired because mm-hmm. of what they did to him. Wow. So so for me, yeah, I'm not the ticket. I wish I could uh, $200 ticket. I'll pay that like 10 times. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. <laughs> right. But I'm so Send it to my dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can pay. I mean, I can pay it. Um, right. But. But right away, I'm everything goes in slow motion, and you can uh-huh. hear like for me, it's almost like I can hear my heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. Instant sweat in the palms. 
keep I you know, like my parents yeah. raised us keep your hands on the steering wheel. Did your parents ever tell you no. what to do if you get pulled over by a cop? See that that I was gonna that's what gonna that's, ask you about that. Yeah. I've the, like this is like a talk, right? This is like <laughs> the talk. Yes. So do you remember when you had that, like yeah. before you started driving, or because mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you what what my experience was with that in a set, but I want to know. Like, yeah. So mine was way before that. Oh, okay. So wow. it was when I was little. Wow. Okay. Okay. So yeah. if if you ever, I must have been like I don't know eight. Mm-hmm. If you are ever um, stopped by anyone that's in a position of authority, you keep your hands out of your pockets. Mm. This is a thing like even now in stores, yep. when I walk into a store, I'd never put my hands in my pockets. Mm. My mom is almost 70 years old. She doesn't do it. She doesn't even reach in her phone in her purse to check her cell phone. Jeez. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Because someone could say that she was stealing something. She just doesn't do it. She'll wait until she leaves. And typically. this is a woman that runs Princeton club fitness like people were taking classes she- from her, right? <laughs> like, I mean, so but she just won't do it, sure, right? Mm. So because of her experiences, um, so yeah, I had that conversation. You never put your hands in, um, you never ever put your hands in your pockets in a store. I still don't. Um, mm. And these are the kind of things you're probably even teaching your sons, yeah. Now, yeah, maybe I, Noel I, even. They like, have to talking. know that, like, yeah. I, mm. Because the thing is, they're my kids are biracial kids, but the world will see them as black kids. Mm. You know right. what I mean? Um, so there, there's no there's no time to say, oh, okay, wait, wait, my mom's white, right? There's no time no, to say yeah, like, no, 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 my dad yeah. took the twenty three and me, and he's got German <laughs> in his blood. It does it doesn't yeah. matter at that point, right? No. They they are going to be seen as black. Mm-hmm. They are black, right? They're going to be seen right. as black for their lives. And so you have to have the talk with them. I mean, the closest that I can come to this is when I had, when my mom gave me the sex talk. Your, right? mom, I mean, your mom did that? <laughs> yeah. Why did your mom Oops. do that? <laughs> my dad, was, oh my my dad was on some trip and I was in a class at school. So my mom had to give me Oh, mom. so she had to do Okay. Didn't she tell that's you That's what the talk Alex is the for time? white kids, right? I right. mean, the, the, for, for me, the talk is like, a little boy or when mommy and daddy love when a mommy loves a daddy talk right it's it's not Ugh. um right it's not here's where to put your hands on the steering wheel mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but for, it's, for it's, us it's if about, a cop like, is behind you it's literally a, a, a survival yeah talk so mm-hmm. like my parents still to this day worry about all three of their sons being out in the world right yeah I hope I did everything right to make sure, you know, they know how to act mm-hmm. around other people. Yeah. Which is like a whole nother topic, right? Anthony and I, right. you and I were talking about like code switching. Yeah. And yeah. so I can, I can sit here and talk to you guys and this is genuinely me. Yeah. Um, But also when I'm around my family, if we're, there's like a family reunion, it sounds totally different. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I was thinking about I've seen pictures of like some Zoom calls you do with your, with your brother and, and your friends and all those yeah. dudes. And I was like, I don't think Chad is yeah. <laughs> that that must be a different kind of right. Uh, conversation Chad, right? than what we're yeah. having right yeah. now. Yeah, I yeah. mean but it's there is that's a real thing where yeah. and part of it is like, should I have to do that? No, not really, but who who you're talking to right now is really who I am. Yeah. And, that, and that's what Anthony said. Yeah, He's like, a- but dude, is it like, do I really know you? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, yes, this is right. me. But then 
when I'm with family, there's like a different, it just kicks in my dad too. Right. Like you would never expect to hear that from my dad. And I've but, even been uh-huh. able to be at some of those family functions over the years back on Schumann Drive. Oh, you love, you <laughs> love it. Just the Anthony, like anytime, like he was, if there was soul food involved, <laughs> he was oh, yeah. rolling through. If like, there's food involved. Right. We did like, we did the Kemp family barbecue throwdown and Anthony was there and it was probably like, I would say probably like 16 different types of ribs alone. Mm. Yum. All these. Incredible. I, mean, I don't want to. This is probably a separate. Po- I, I should start my own podcast just, have just about food. food. Yeah, just have a food podcast. Um, but no, the. <laughs> um, so he's seen some of that, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's getting back to, you know, my. I personally have never had a bad, like a objectively bad experience with a police officer but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist this is why people need to take a step back and say like someone else that may be true Mm -hmm. right like look around this is going this has been going on for years right yeah if people i wish people could have taken some of the classes i took do you guys have you either of you ever heard of emmett till no no okay Emmett Till was a 14-year-old black boy from the inner city of Chicago. And similar to my family, they came up from Mississippi. Okay, so he went back for a summer. This is like 1955. Mm-hmm. Went down to Mississippi, and his mother had the same talk, except it was a little mm-hmm. different. When you're walking down the street, it's a small town called Money, Mississippi. You know, Emmett. When you're walking down the street, you keep your eyes down to the ground. You don't look any white person in the eye. You don't talk to them unless they talk to you. You say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You don't say any of that. He and his cousins, because he's from the north, he he's not used to how things were down there. He went into a s- small town store, right, like a general store that was run mm-hmm. by, uh, owned by a guy named Roy Bryant and then his brother-in-law, J.W. Milan. Roy Bryant's wife, I believe, was mining the cashier. And these boys went over there to get some candy. And some of the other Southern kids were egging him on because Emmett said that he had a, a, a white girlfriend in Chicago. They didn't believe him. And they, he had a little picture of this girl. So they were, like, messing with him and said, well, fine. Then why don't you go in there and say something fresh to the lady in there? And um, he did it. And... They were like shocked that he did it, right? So mm-hmm. they go home back to his grandfather's house. Later that night, two guys show up. We want the boy. Okay. Mm. Took him, put it, threw him in the back of a pickup truck. Literally just took him, threw him in the back of a pickup truck, drove off down by the Tallahatchie River, tied him up, beat him. They did some things that were unspeakable and killed him and threw, tied him to a cotton gin and threw him in the river. Mm. That was that murder. And you can mm. look up the picture. It was um, there's a picture of his body at his funeral in Chicago that was taken. It was in Jet magazine. My dad was six years old when that happened. My grandfather, mm. Howard Kemp, showed my dad that picture. I mean, it's unrecognizable wow. as a human face. That murder was set in I mean, essentially set the chain of events that led to the civil rights movement. 
Hmm. Wow. So it's crazy there hasn't been a movie, hmm. you know, since this is a movie podcast about Emmett Till, but that um those were the kind I mean, that's the kinds those are the kinds of things that happened countless times in our history. And so mm-hmm. now to try and whitewash it or for someone to tell me that the Confederate flag is about um heritage mm. or to have a president that's like saying we shouldn't be taking down we don't want to erase our history well look the place for those types of monuments the reason why those were built and put in the Mm -hmm. strategic places in front of courthouses in front of places where people go to vote Mm -hmm. right those things weren't erected right after the civil war they were erected in the 1920s which was the the kind of the second swing of the ku klux klan right not in the south mind you the ku klux klan in the early 20th century was huge in indiana there were more members of the ku klux klan in indiana than there were down south so when you see all these monuments and people want to take them down now for me and really for anyone, like when someone says it's about heritage, like I always just follow up. Well, what heritage? And their answer is like, well, mm-hmm. independence and freedom. Well, independence and freedom to do what? To enslave black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. what it is. That's what it's always been. Mm. Yeah. And so like the the fact that we even have to have that, it's good that we're having the conversation now. Yeah. But the fact that people just can't own up to it finally in part four repentance starts here before placing blame outwardly we want to look inward and ask god to examine us our hearts also switchfoot songs how john foreman has been speaking truth to us for years and a barbecue analogy that blows our minds but first chad's visceral reaction to the death of george floyd when George Floyd was killed, there was a, a visceral reaction I had to it. And I was mm. so overwhelmed with sadness because, you know, it was the first time where I, I couldn't watch the whole video. I watched probably four minutes and when I could tell he was passing out. And then I saw the end when he was slumped over. Yeah. And um, I kind of, my reaction was more like, you know what we should all just do in this country? We should all just admit just mm. on the whole, that like we really don't care about the the lives of black men as much as just about any other ones. Like, can mm. we just admit that? Mm. If we did that and just every on a loudspeaker just said, "Yes, this is true. We don't care about you as much as other people." Then the next question after that is, "What can we do to change that?" Uh-huh. Mm. You can't get to that second step without owning it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's impossible because if all you want to do is say Martin Luther King had the I have a dream speech, Mm -hmm. right? And then, you know, we have integrated schools and everything's got better. People forget Martin Luther King got shot in the face, right? Uh Five years later for for doing the things that he was trying to do. Malcolm X, a different, he had a different angle from what he was trying to preach, but right towards the end of his life. Um, he had gotten away from a lot of the, um, you know, objectly um, controversial things and right. was willing to work with other leaders of color, you know, and then he got cut down. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, the way I the way I kind of look at this is until we're prepared 
to accept the fact that as a country, we value some people much less than others. You can't fix it. You have Mm. to be willing to accept that notion first. And if you do, and this is why people don't want to do it. Right. What what does that say about us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all about just like right. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh. mm-hmm. like, no, get over yourself. It's okay. I'm still here. Well, now we can have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think what I've run into in these conversations is less, um, less, less that what you just said, and more like, well, I'm not like that. Right. Like this right. the, the rest of the the rest of America may feel that way. Mm. They should confess it, or actually, they sh- I hear this a lot. Is like, no, we shouldn't confess it. That's that's damaging. If you, you it's not your fault. What we did, whatever. Right. There's that whole side. But then there's like, well, okay, the racism exists, but I mm. there's nothing in me, and so right. I want to make and I want to put a lot of energy into making sure everybody knows that. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I think one thing that's been a challenge for me, I think, as we've made this commitment, even with the podcast, is not watching a movie or reading a book and saying, oh, man, I wish this other person who I know is racist could watch this right now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But actually thinking about how how do I devalue black lives? Right. Hmm. How have I been implicit in that as this woke guy or whatever? Um, it can't always be about like the problems out there. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it sucks and it's hard and I hate it. So Um, can I ask you, how do you think, how do you think you've like, how have you thought, what answers have you come up with? Maybe there is, maybe you haven't yet. Um, uh, I, I know that I am part of this group that considers themselves not the beyond it. Hmm. I mean, that, that I think there's racism, but I have black friends or I've, I, I've worked uh, on uh, the, uh, on reservations and I have, I'm, I supervise Latino staff and um, I listen to stories. And so I know I'm not, I'm not, I don't have any racism or prejudice or bigotry in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I dig deep into my history, I've, I've used people of color. Um, I'm guilty probably of tokenism. I'm like, well, if I put this person of color in the right place mm-hmm. next to me, um, and I don't actually care, sorry, uh, it's been a difficult process yeah. for me. I don't, I don't care about them as much as I care about the optics of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's been difficult. I'm reading white fragility right now. I'm reading how to be an anti-racist. I'm reading all these books and, and, and I caught myself this past weekend, not reading those books for me. Mm. I'm reading them so that I can know how to talk about it well, Hmm. or I'm wishing this person could read it or that person could read it. And so I had to, I had to, I had to reread. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I finished yep. a book. Hmm. Great. Yeah. Huh. I had to go back and I had to reread it again and think about how how have I been complicit in this? Um, you know, hmm. I, I I think that for uh, for a long time I was a colorblind is key. Hmm. 
um, not honoring people for who they were and trying to ignore their identity and not believing stories. Right. And and so uh, hearing your stories is painful to me because I've never asked before. I I would probably say me as a high schooler, me in college, I I would have been thinking about all sorts of arguments hmm. instead of listening. I knew mm-hmm. I know I was that person certainly. Um and uh I I would just I prefer comfort to having risky conversations. And so I, I, yeah. I think if to, that's, that's probably the most ans- the honest answer I can come up with right now, the that's, things that I'm yeah. seeing in myself. But that's what, I mean, you described two things. You described basically what um, a lot of what I think corporate America has done, right? So when you said, if I put this person in this place, yeah. in the right place, that happens all the time. So part of what um, part of what I was raised with was you're going to have to work um, twice as hard for half of the credit. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. No matter what you do, because you got it coming at you from both sides. There are always going to be people that think that I got to where I am. That I, you know. And I struggled in you know, high school is easy. I struggled in college. It was not a great experience. But once I figured it out, mm. I blitzed through there and mm-hmm. then got into really good, you know, law schools. And now I, you know, I graduated in 2008. It was the worst time to graduate from anything except for maybe like May of 1929 before the Depression. Right? I thought you could say or 2020. Yeah, I guess this, this wouldn't be so great either. But literally, like when you think when you guys think about all the stuff that I went through to graduate and then get into law school and then to graduate in May of 2008. Uh-huh. So to then turn around and build my own law practice and then merge it into where I am now, where it's like, you know, one of the better law firms in the state. If not the you know, quite frankly, the country, um, that's a, an amazing story. But like the like going to the cash register, mm-hmm. are people going to believe that I belong there? Mm. Right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so like what Stephen said, like the people in my law firm, they're great. Like they look at the per, they do look at the person, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, you want to show people that you're include. You know, you're including other groups of people because here's the deal: there are African American people that need trial lawyers. Hmm. Right. We have yeah, we have totally. offices in Madison, Waukesha, Milwaukee, and Eau Claire. It helps. Sometimes it helps to sit across the table from someone that looks like you. Sure. That yeah. so ultimately that's going to help that business, right? But but the way I look at it is this: is um. That helps me, you know, if that if that's part of what the deal is, that helps me get to a place where eventually maybe I can be a partner and I can be a person of influence in that in this business or in the, my vocation as an attorney um, right. and then bring other kids along behind me. I think Sammy Davis Jr. said, you know, he, he was up there um, at the Sands Hotel in Vegas with like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and they would do all kinds of like racist jokes. Now, these guys are all really friends. Mm. 
Yeah. We're sitting here with an Italian, <laughs> mm-hmm. a black guy, right. and another white guy, Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, <laughs> and Dean Martin. And then hey. we, right, yeah, hey. they, they would do all Fly kinds of me to the moon. <laughs> but they would do all all kinds of jokes. Behind the scenes, Frank Sinatra was a big, you know, and Dean Martin were big supporters of him. Hmm. But right. on stage, they would do all of these like off-color racist jokes, right? Huh. Mm-hmm. And Sammy had a Swedish model actress fiance in 1960. Mm. She, because she was from Europe, she was offended by like what his friends were doing to him up there. And what he said was, I'm doing these things so that the next guys that come behind me won't have to. Mm. Now, so as far as like, you know, tokenism, that's one way of thinking about it. Another way to think about it is, is, is that you're giving people an opportunity that might not other wise would have had one um as far as uh, and I, I think i think i think i would say the majority of the time that that's that's what i want mm-hmm. and that's the intention yeah, yeah. um I, i'm just saying when i when i dig deep layers and layers down sure um i i'm i'm my a lot of times those ill intentions are exposed but that's right. that that takes a lot of work and, yeah. and I don't. I think that the that a uh, the a typical. Sorry, I'm not saying I'm atypical, but it, the typical response is I don't want to go there at all. That's most. And people. so I'm gonna right. I'm gonna make excuses. I'm gonna I'm gonna make arguments. I certainly don't want to be labeled a racist. And so then, if you've got to get five levels down, that's not even going to get you two or three. Right. If if those are if those are your natural defenses as as white people, I think um, it's been an extremely painful, uh, an excellent experience for me even so far, as, as we've dug into this and made this commitment. But I, I, it's hard to have those things exposed. Well, yeah. Well, go ahead, uh, Anthony. No, Sorry, I was just gonna say it's it's important to have these uncomfortable conversations. Um, mm-hmm. One of the thing there there's been a number of things that have woken me up and I, maybe we'll talk because uh, because there's no way we can get enough stuff in this but like maybe we'll talk about me and your conversation chad during the first presidential election where we got to vote and we huh. t- i mean like yeah. I, so Wait, well, you have to remind a, me of that that's a whole other time this is w versus gore oh yeah um yeah. this is oh, i'm in our house on orchard classic Street. yeah uh, th- this is not disparaging in any way i'm just talking about my own personal story but where I thought if you're a Christian, you vote this way and you, you talking to you, talking about your experience, opened my mind to like, wait, what? Like, so that's a whole, whole other conversation. Um, but, but having the, so, so one of the things that kind of woke me up in the last month or two was one of my friends was like, I actually have the choice whether or not to talk to my kids about this. Actually, it's basically to have this talk with right. my kids. Or This is a white mom, friend of ours, that's awesome. And she was like, I actually have the choice. So do I want to tell my kids about these these awful things that are happening in the news? Or right. do I not? Um, and first of all, you're telling us about the talks that you had with your mom and dad as a kid that you can't not have those yeah. talks. It's, so a, it's, it's like you to survive, you have to do right. it. Right. So that's mm-hmm. that's part of the white privilege we talked about in um, like an 
the Stephen, you and I were talking about in a brainstorming session. Um, yeah, but we, I want to have these un, uncomfortable conversations because that's in the uncomfort is where there's going to be growth, right? Like, like you said, like yeah. take ownership of where we are. That's the only way to go forward. Um, like and actually, I I booted up a a quick scripture when you asked Stephen. Yeah. I got I got to think for two minutes while he was talking. Mm. Um, and this is just <laughs> I cheated and got my Bible my Bible out from my phone. Um, but this is just Psalm one thirty nine, um, and this is I think it's David, and he says, "Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts." See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And it, it's like he's see if there is any offensive way in me. Right. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to look out like Stephen, you were saying, like looking, oh, that dude's a racist. Those guys need to get woke. That dude needs to read this book. That lady, this yeah. or that. Right. Search me. You know, like, mm-hmm. let's start. Right here, right. see if there is any offensive way in me, right? Like, I, I remember this, it's like a revivalist dude in, like, England. I can't remember who it was. He would. He got down and he got down on his knees and he drew a chalk outline circle around himself. And he said, Lord, begin a revival and begin it inside this circle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, search me. Where is there an offensive way in me? And I guess that, I think that's... Where I want to start is yeah. not even looking outward, and that's why we wanted to hear my best friend's stories that I haven't even heard in right. 35 years. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, to um, I think you know the uncomfortable conversations. I I never understand, and this is because I come from the position of being uncomfortable all of the time, <laughs> right? Right. Yep. So when people don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation, it's like. I have to really take my own um, advice and remember empathy, mm. mm-hmm. right? Because the uncomfortable conversation is like what you said. is It's like the, John Foreman said it the best. Like mm. The shadow proves the sunshine, mm. right? Yeah. That song. There's a couple songs for Gomer Nation. Like there's some uh, – I can't remember. Is it the intro? You have some – Switch foot. Oh, dare you to move? Our favorite yeah. song of all time. I mean, time. dude, John, <laughs> John Foreman. We've all we've yeah. all at, at one point or another talked to him. Mul- I've now talked to him multiple times. <laughs> Stephen drove him around and drove him around. <laughs> um, like I had, I I got to introduce the kids. He remembered. Oh, so by the cool. way, just uh, he Goldmer Nation. If you don't know, Switchfoot, John Foreman, and his brother Tim, and. Another guy formed a power trio back in like the late '90s. They're all about From our San age. Diego. Yeah, San Diego right. rock band, and now mm-hmm. there's two other members, and we love that band. Mm. And oh so we've all at some point t- either hung out or talked with them. And I recently mm-hmm. was able to do that with my kids at an acoustic show in Madison, uh-huh. and um, rules. they remembered me and you, Stephen. Yeah, from you know, from picking them up, and they that yeah, like that guy convinced us we never landed on the moon. One they of my totally proudest moments. It. Yeah, they <laughs> they so um, but his lyrics. I mean, much like what Anthony just read, I've been thinking a lot about you know some of 
what he's written. And that, I don't know, this one has been speaking to me just with what we've been dealing with. And the uncomfortable conversation is where like, where we make progress. That's right. the whole yeah. point is like in the struggle. It's like when you run yeah. Um, or like something that I've gotten into a ton lately, like competition, like barbecue, like mm-hmm. similarly, like when you're running and you hit that point where you don't think you can go on anymore and you push through it, that's where you all of a sudden find that you can go to another level. Mm. Or like yep. when you're cooking a brisket, this sounds really lame, Ooh, but la there's la. A, if you're cooking a brisket, there's something <laughs> called like the <laughs> called the um the stall phase where the temperature huh. stays where it is, you think it's done, you think it's done, and you need to break through that and then the muscle, uh-huh. the actual muscle will relax and that's where it gets really tender. Oh. Sim- similar Anthony wants to come over and make some barbecue now, but dang, um, that sounds great. But similarly, it's the same thing with the this. Stall phase, that's so interesting. People have to be willing to push through the stall phase. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, why are you uncomfortable first? Hmm. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to have these difficult yeah. conversations, right? It's good. It's, yeah, it's, right. It's, Necessary. It's good, right. Yep. So for me, I always get frustrated, and this is where I have to use empathy. I'm like, dude. I do not care that you're uncomfortable. <laughs> Stop whining. Because guess what I am like when I go to pay for groceries or if yeah. I walk out of a wow. store. You're worried about like having a real conversation. I'm worried about getting choked out on the street. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the reality. Right. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the, I mean, maybe maybe we can one of the things why I was a little nervous about you sharing this movie list. I mean, we're an hour and a half in. Maybe we should actually hear the list. <laughs> yeah, um, we're, we're going to do that. And so, in classic Gomer fashion, an hour and a half in, we get where we had intended when starting. But most of the important stuff happens along the way. To hear Chad's movie list and our conversations surrounding that, go to patreon.com backslash two gomers and subscribe to the bonus disc on any level. That episode is available now. If you want to email us, you can reach us at twogomers at gmail.com. You can look us up, Two Gomers on Facebook, Two Gomers on Instagram. You can subscribe or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That's Two Gomers or Perfect Movie. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Let me send it back one more time to that late night session in Oregon, Wisconsin. What was the brisket waiting phase called? The stall, the stall phase. The stall part of the lexicon. That's, that's literally how. That's literally how people think. They their brains stall out and they don't want to mm. break through. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yep. So awesome. Wow. So we're gonna break through. Uh, we've already started. Obviously, when this episode is coming out, um, this has been super helpful. I, th- I think it's it's added to our list movies that we never would have done. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd say. Six of the six of the seven that you named, I have never even heard of. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Me too. But that's good. That's good. That's good to hear of them and to to dig into those things, especially that one about the nuclear ship that time travels. <laughs> that was the one I've got here. Well, and, and, and Gomer Nation should know that was my bad. I just typed it up wrong. It was the final come down, not the final countdown. That was Dude, my fault. We'll do that one and Solar Babies. Right. Oh God. <laughs> All right, guys. Well. Thanks for talking. Thanks for being open. Yep, Appreciate absolutely. it. Thanks for joining us, Chad. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I will. I'm always willing to be here to be the professor <laughs> and curator of all things. <laughs> well, yeah. When we do Back to the Future Two, we'll have you back. Oh well, yeah, and maybe the Godfather. <laughs> also, That's a authority, I'm dangling. authority and Mario Puzo <laughs> bring Shannon yeah. also for that. Yes, awesome. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, dude. Great up. Super fun, man. Have a great night tonight, drinking bourbon or whatever the heck you guys are gonna do. It's, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's rye whiskey. <laughs> there we go. All right. See you later, guys. Yep. See you. Bye, buddy. Stevie. Love you. Bye, Steven.